welcome to Deeper, a podcast by Wollongong Baptist Church. Join us as we take the plunge and dive deeper into the Word of God as recorded in the Bible. Here, we'll unpack and examine further the Bible talks presented on Sundays across our three English-speaking services. To hear the latest sermon, head to our website at wollongongbaptist.org. Today, we'll be thinking through the most recent instalment of our series on the Gospel of Luke as our pastors answer questions that arose from this week's talk. So, let's get right into it and dive deeper. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Deeper. Thank you so much for um, listening in. This is talk number six in our series on the Gospel of Luke. So this one was from um, Sunday the 10th of March. Uh, we had a little look at Luke chapter 11 verses 37 through to 54. Um, if you've not heard the talk, then you can definitely have a listen or even a re-listen by heading to our website, which is wollongongbaptist.org. Um, but joining me today is Pastor Rod Bailey. Hi, Rod. Thanks so much for being here. Great to be here. Thanks, Grace. Cool. Um, so let's just get right into it. You spoke yesterday um, on Luke chapter 11, as I mentioned. Can you please try and um, just summarize the general gist of what that talk was about? Yeah, the section is about religious purity and the dangers um, of hypocrisy, uh, where people come up with their ways of looking pure before God in an external manner. So I titled the talk Hypocrisy in All Its Forms because Jesus goes through with at least six rebukes um, to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law in terms of their external religion, their desire to be pure, but the hypocrisy that that was producing. Mm -hmm. Right. And you went through like quite a number of different things that Jesus um, condemns in that different forms of hypocrisy, Mm. um, which I found like really challenging and really um, sobering, I guess, and something good to be reflecting on. Um, One of the things that you talked about um, Jesus condemning was um, placing burdens on other people. Um, So I'm just wondering if you could flesh out for us a little bit about um, not burdening others with standards that the Bible doesn't set. Um, So I guess my question is like, where is the line for rightful rebuke and correction um, or just helpful kind of comments and guidance and things um, that are prompted by godly living and kind of wise um, approaches to things? Uh, Where's the kind of line between that and then just legalism and opinions that are actually adding to what the Bible says, that are holding people to a standard of living that's not actually Mm. what God requires? Yeah, I, I think the key is relationship in terms of rebuking or correcting anybody. I think it's very hard to do it if we don't have a strength of relationship with somebody. So it will come across as a judgmental comment or mm. something that's hard to take on board because we don't know the person well. Whereas if we are close with somebody and we're interacting you know, consistently about our faith, then uh, people will be open to hearing you know, our comments into their lives if mm. they know it's coming from a good place in terms of we have got a heartfelt concern for their growth as a Christian. Uh, I gave a few examples um, in terms of how this can play out. Uh, some of them relate to maturity, so we can have lots of issues around how a person might be more mature. And the danger there is uh, we can move from 
something that we've found helpful ourselves right. to putting it on the other person that really they should be doing this. Yeah. And the result can be, even if we're not aware of it, because they may not say anything to us, is that they feel guilty then that right. we've set a new standard in their life that supposedly we're meeting, but they're not. Mm. Um, and then rather f than feeling encouraged um, to grow in that area, it yeah. may come across as just something that they're failing to do. For example, um, you know, their prayer life may not be as long as yours as you share with them. Yeah. Or, you know, I, I gave the sort of extreme example of somebody getting up at 5 a.m. and right. praying for two hours. And, yeah. you know, if their friend doesn't do that, well, they're not really quite raising the bar as they should. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it's the danger of um, creating standards for ourselves, which may be helpful, which we can always do. Mm. But then being able to share that with somebody in a way that doesn't impose it on them or is something you then police in their life that they just right. feel guilty about. Um, I think we need to make them as suggestions or things that have helped us and then sort of leave it with them. I think that's easier in our society today because we have less sort of communal sort of um, control yeah. or checking up on one another. Um, whereas, you know, in the first century for the Pharisees, they could go around, as it were, and police things um, and keep sort of putting that on people's consciences over and over right. so that people felt weighed down because mm. it wasn't just a helpful thing, but it was something now that was a requirement, it was really a law right. um, that you needed to meet. So uh, I think that's, we've just got to think through those things. I sort of, it's a bit case by case um, in terms of relational strength in terms of what it is that we're talking about. Yeah. Um, and our goal's got to be to encourage rather than make people feel guilty. Mm, okay. That's really helpful, I think. Um, yeah, thinking about the context of those relationships and making sure that you have actually, I guess, kind of the right to speak into somebody else's life. Mm. Yeah, that's really helpful. Are there certain things that um, we definitely should be going, right, like that's not um, as God would call you to live? Are there times where there are certain things that we really should be having those conversations and as awkward as they might be, um, yeah, just actually speaking into each other's lives and correcting or rebuking? Absolutely. Um, I think it comes back to whether something's in the Bible or it's something extra that we've added on as a way to help <laughs> try and fulfill what's in the Bible. Yeah. And because that was the intention of the Pharisees. Right. It was well meant in the first instance, yeah. but it, it grew and grew. So they saw it as a hedge around the law. You know, if you do these extra things we're requiring you, then you won't fail the things that are actually written down that God requires of us. Right. So let's pick on prayer again. Yeah. Um, we'd all say the Bible's very clear that believers should pray. Yeah. We need to pray to express our dependence on God. Um, so if a friend of ours who said they were a believer said they never prayed, mm -hmm. well, then we'd be really concerned and we'd want to share with them about that, not because we're trying to legalistically impose something, but we know that it's crucial to yeah. their growth and walk as a Christian. But if somebody, uh, let's say, prays every day and then we say, ah, oh, but you're not praying for three hours or, you know, you've got to use this particular prayer method that right. I've come up with and it's the right one and then it becomes something that's beyond what the Bible's speaking about yeah. or requiring of us. It becomes a particular method or standard that we've set. Um, and if that comes across as imposing it on someone, then we're going beyond the Bible. You know, if they're praying regularly, great. Uh, they don't have to use my prayer method or, yeah. or yours, you know. So it depends um, on the topic that yeah. you're talking about. But I think it's the difference 
between what's clearly stated in the Bible and going beyond that to methods of how we might do that or what works for me and therefore you should be doing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, that's really helpful. Thank you. Um, so switching gears a little bit now, um, I noticed that yesterday you seemed to skip over two little verses um, in the middle of our passage um, where Jesus is condemning the current generation that he's talking to um, and says that they'll help be held responsible for the blood of Abel right through to the blood of Zechariah. Hmm. Um, so there's obviously some like Old Testament references going on there, but it seems like a really big and harsh thing to say. Um, but I'm just wondering, like, what is going on there? I don't really understand what is happening. Just wondering if you could unpack that a little bit. Yeah, it's a scary little section. Right? And, and <laughs> yeah, I did skip over it. Um, I skipped over it mainly because um, it doesn't apply necessarily directly to our generation, but it's important to understand as we get into the passage. Yeah. What's going on is that Jesus refers to uh, the murder of Abel in Genesis 4, and then he goes all the way through to referring to Zechariah. That's not the book of Zechariah that we have, but rather um, a man who was killed in 2 Chronicles um, chapter 24. Um, and so what Jesus is doing is just doing the sweep of the whole Old Testament, it's like the sweep of all history to that point. Uh, we look at 2 Chronicles as something that's in the middle of our Bible because we've rearranged the Bible, but right. the Jewish uh, layout of the Bible has 2 Chronicles as the last book of the yeah, Old Testament. Yeah. So he's really just counting every murder or attack on God's word from beginning to end. Um, that's what's happening. But then that still leaves the question of why is it that that current generation yeah. is somehow responsible for everything that's ever yeah. happened? Um, we know from elsewhere in scripture that God only makes us responsible for our own sins, that we're not responsible for somebody else's sins. That was clear even in the Old Testament. So the Jews would have known in Ezekiel 18, for example, uh, verse 20, that um, you know, a son is not, uh, can't be punished for the sins of his father and vice versa. Uh, we're all just responsible for our own actions and words. Mm -hmm. um, so clearly Jesus is not saying that um, a person can be responsible for some random other person's sin. Um, from generations before. From generations yeah. before, yeah. So it's not that. So what is it? Um, how can they be responsible? So commentators have struggled with this a bit. Um, I think, um, yeah, generally speaking, uh, commentators have argued that the main problem for this generation is that they've now got the final word from God, as it were, in Jesus, the eternal son being with them. Mm. And yet they're rejecting him and they're causing others as religious leaders to reject Jesus as well because they're dismissing his claims. And so there's a sense in which all that has happened up to this point where God's word has been rejected and rejected comes to a head in the life of Jesus. Right. And yet again, just like the prophets of old, Jesus is being rejected. Um, and he's going to bear the sin of all those who trust in him at the cross um, but it's like those that have rejected Jesus at this point are not going to acknowledge him as the Messiah who's about to lay down his life for them um, then they're really going to bear the weight as it were of all the generations of rejection of God's word so I think it's a more figurative thing I don't think it's saying literally yeah, yeah. that they're um but it's that picture of here is everything coming together in the life of Jesus and yet still um, they reject it, but it's, it's just part of the pattern, sadly, of every previous generation. Um, and he's made comments just in that section about them 
wanting to somehow honor past profits that their forebears had killed. Um, But he's saying, well, they're not real about it because um, they're attacking people um, currently um, who are speaking for Christ, um, such as his own disciples, Mm -hmm. such as Jesus himself. And the apostles that will follow as the early churches started will be attacked, Jesus says in verse 49, and that generation will be doing it. Yeah. Is it too far to say that that sort of thing would then apply now as well? And if the concept is mm. um, the world is broken, here's all this stuff that's happened, and here's the solution, Jesus, mm-hmm. and you're rejecting that, mm. therefore um, that weight of all of that history, all that mess, you you will ultimately be carrying. Yeah, I think there's a sense in which um, you know, in Acts chapter two, the apostle Peter can say in his sermon at Pentecost that um, those in front of him are responsible for killing Jesus. Now, they weren't all the ones that were baying for his blood when he was crucified, but Jesus makes every person responsible. Mm. Um, At the same time saying in Acts 2, um, 20 to 24, that, well, this is the Father's plan, so it's not like it's out of control and that wicked sin of humans has, you know, surprised God. Mm. No, this is God's plan, but he's used human sin. Um, And I guess the argument in that passage makes it clear that every believer today, in a sense, is responsible for Christ's death in the sense that he was bearing our sin. Mm. So 2 Corinthians 5.21, Christ was made sin for us. Um, So he took on our sin and it was therefore our sin that took Jesus to the cross. And in that broader sense, we too are responsible. We may as well have been screaming for his blood yeah, and the yeah. crucifixion. Yeah. Okay. Um, changing gears again. <laughs> Sorry, I'm jumping around a little bit. But um, just sort of thinking through more of what you had said on Sunday from your talk. Um, if we ought to um, avoid just kind of using external displays of religious activity as a, as a sign of um, determining whether we're living a faithful life, mm. um, how then do we go about actually assessing our spiritual life, our spiritual health? And how can we sort of understand where other people are up to as well if we're not to just be judging the outside but discerning the inside? Um, mm. How do we go about that? Yeah, Well, let me be clear firstly, in a sense, um, we can judge to a point what is happening in other people's lives because Jesus does say we will know people by their fruit. Uh, It's Mm. just that the fruit is sometimes hard for us to discern. So I guess I was pointing out on Sunday that uh, the fruit of just mere attendance at church or saying the right words in a conversation is perhaps not enough indication of fruit. But I, if we're close enough, again, if there's a relational strength and we're seeing a person's life up close, day-to-day, week-to-week, uh, then I think we should be able to see fruit, fruit of the Spirit, like Galatians 5. Um, you know, Is this person one who expresses love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control in their daily life, in their relationships with other people? I think over time we, we can see fruit that will give evidence of whether a person is really growing or not. Yeah. But we've got to be careful because we don't know the person's heart. So it's not our job to judge that or, but we do want to encourage. Um, And so in a sense, we can see something. I guess what we can see more clearly is our own heart um, in the sense that we really do know what's going on in our head or our heart. Uh, We know whether we're praying regularly or reading the Bible. um, And I think those things can be good litmus tests. Um, They're not the only things, but if, 
you know, I haven't prayed for a month or I haven't read the Bible for a month. There's, there's something going wrong there. Um, not because I need to tick that box, um, but because if I'm in a personal relationship with God, how is that relationship expressed? Well, mm. it's like any other relationship. It's through communication. So mm. if God never speaks to me through his word and I never speak to him in prayer, then our relationship is going wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's on the wane. So I think those two things are key markers and we'll know about that. And it's not the length of time I've only prayed for three minutes or I've prayed for three hours. Right. I, I think it's more the regularity the ongoing contact, as it were, with yeah. our living Lord. Um, so those things uh, are good markers. I think other things are just whether we're living it out. Um, Jesus always said in John's Gospel in particular, if you love me, then you'll obey my words. Mm. So we could be reading the Bible regularly and even praying regularly, but living a very disobedient life where mm. sin is starting to get a foothold. Um, and so if we see that happening in our life too, then... That should be a warning bell for us. Um, we'll know that that's happening. And so we've got to sort of pull ourselves up and not continue in that rut and say, what's going on here? Why am I allowing this sin to take hold? Or why am I not allowing God to speak into my life through his word to help me address this? Um, why am I not getting people to pray with me or hold me to account on this? Mm -hmm. Or you know, do things that will help me in my growth if I'm struggling. So it does require some self-reflection, which I guess, well, I'm assuming like the Pharisees weren't doing, they were doing all the things, yep. um, but obviously weren't reflecting on what's going on actually in their hearts. They're upholding the law, but completely missing the point of the law at the same time. Yes. Um, there's a famous quote, I can't remember who from now, but um, <laughs> that a, a, a life that is not examined is a life not worth living. We, mm. we, we need to be reflective. And that is hard in our busy world today mm. that um, we often give so little time to self-examination or self-reflection. And that's not a navel-gazing kind of, I've got to be yeah. thinking about myself every moment. Right. But if I'm never stopping in the midst of my busyness, then it's hard to really take stock how I'm going. I can sort of fool myself or keep charging along for a while, be busy with activity, but not really be growing and having a sense of that frustration or distance in my life. Yeah. I mean, the truth is we never get any closer or further away from God based on our performance. Mm. We're always right with God through Christ. Yeah. And so I'm not a better or closer Christian today because I've read the Bible or prayed. I, you know, if I haven't done that, then I'm further away. I think it's really easy to fall into that trap of judging where you're at mm. based on that rather than being like, actually, yes, standing in the grace of Christ. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, we've got to be careful not to get sort of mechanistic about how our relationship with God works. But at the same time, those things can be indicators. Yeah. And, and I think we'll know it if we're feeling dry spiritually. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean we're further away from God in our standing, in our justification. But it may be that we're feeling further away in terms of our sanctification. That right. is, I'm not really growing well at the moment. Yeah doesn't change my salvation and my standing before Christ, but it does change how I'm growing in yeah, Christ. Yeah. And so I think we need to understand those two categories are, are different. Yeah, okay. Cool, thank you so much for your time today, Rod. Um, I think we'll leave it there. No Thanks worries, so thank you. Thanks, Ben.
You have been listening to Deeper by Wollongong Baptist Church. We'd love you to join us at any of our services this coming Sunday. For details and to hear further content, please head to our website at wollongongbaptist.org.